Hey, are you here? Great, because if you are, I want you to stay just a little bit longer. Right here on the Paul Leslie Hour. Coming at you from the Carolinas. We thank you for being with us. We've got a great interview that was originally conducted for radio with the one and only Maurice Williams. Maurice was born in Lancaster, South Carolina. He's the lead singer of Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs. Paul met Maurice Williams in Savannah, Georgia, years ago. It was a chance encounter, and it led to this interview. Maurice Williams is a great songwriter, and he wrote such classics as Stay and Little Darling. You know the song Stay at 1 minute and 36 seconds is the shortest song to ever reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts in the United States. Did you know that? Well, now you do. A Stay is a song that had a lot of action through the years. Let's see here. It's been recorded by The Hollies, Jackson Brown, by The Four Seasons, and of course it was in that movie, Dirty Dancing. And Little Darlin' was covered by the Diamonds, the Monkees, and it appeared on the final Elvis Presley album. Hey, since you're staying, maybe you can help support the show. It's easy. Just visit www.thepaulleslie.com support. We thank you. And we do not take you for granted. Not one bit. Now it's time to present the interview with the most lovely man, Maurice Williams. Let's go, babe. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our great pleasure to welcome this man, the legendary Maurice Williams. It's a great pleasure. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me after all these years. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm really happy to be with you. I'm pleased to do this. Thank you so much. It's just, just beautiful, man. My pleasure. Now, this is the Maurice Williams, also known as Maurice Williams of Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs. But when we get down to the real person, who is the real Maurice Williams? I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian first. Yeah. I'm a family man next. And then music is my life. It's that simple. All my life. I've been with Christ. And he does wonders. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm living proof, Paul. And this is, I'm not trying to preach to nobody, not you and nobody else. I'm not a, I'm not a preacher, but I'm just living proof since 1956 to now that God works wonders. Okay? I thought I'm going to say on that subject. <laughs> and I'm into my church. I'm into, I'm deep in my church. Yeah. And uh, I, I love, I love singing. I love what I do. It's easy to me, but I couldn't do it without God. It, it's just, it's one of those things. I tell you, it's, it's the truth, man. I love this. I, you know, I'm not going to stop uh, doing, I love rock and roll. This is what I'm about. And writing songs for the world, not just for, for the, for the uh, uh, so-called beat music thing. 
and I write for the world. And that's, I can't help that. I was born that way. You know, I was born that way. And I'm a goddess first. <laughs> I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? We had a, growing up, you know, the, the, the TV series that had uh, the guy named Rode the Motorcycle? Chips? Uh, huh? No, 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 no. That's your time. Go, go a little further back uh, to uh, Three Corner, the uh, Soda Pops, Soda Shop, the Funs. The oh, funds. the Happy Days. Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way I was, that's the way we were raised. Oh, yeah? That's identical, but it was black. <laughs> we were black Happy Days because after school each day, we went to the Soda Shop each and every day. That's where we would dance and, and have sodas and hang out on that on that corner and sing doo-wop. That's, that's, that's exactly what we did. But in the very beginning, I, uh, the church was right across the street from my home. And Lancaster, South Carolina, I'm proud of it. If I was come out of my house and stumble on knees, I'm in church. That's how close it was to our house. Okay, and so I was raised in the church uh, early age, and I, I was on the choir, and then we formed a group called the Junior Harmonizers. We would sing quartets, a black quartet. You know, the Huma Lanka Lanka Lankas, uh, do the whole ball game. We would go out to perform sometimes, and, and people would pay us in chickens, uh, <laughs> a dinner, you know. We were like uh, 15, 14 years old. And we were either singing, and we'd take anything. We just wanted to sing. And we were singing for God, you know, and we, that's what I was raised. Then I went to high school, got directly straight into the high school band. The Glee Club, I was raised in the Glee Club. As a matter of fact, I got a scholarship for singing to go to Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina. That was for singing. And that same time, we had a hit record called Lord Roaring <laughs> that I had wrote. So I didn't go to school. I didn't go to college. I, I finished high school. We had a chance to go to Los Angeles as the gladiolas, and so we took that, and I went to Los Angeles on tour. That's how that thing got started, man. Uh, the, we, well, to drop back a little further, we won a talent show at Lancaster, South Carolina, in my hometown, and we won it at the White High School, which was like, the White High School was called Lancaster High School. The school I went to was called Lancaster Training School, and it was black. <laughs> and uh, later became Bar Street High School. We started doing talent shows. We won. We, we won. We were singing stuff like uh, the Four Lads, uh, the Four Aces, and guys like that. We were doing that, and we were also playing music because in school I had a trombone lessons and a piano. But I learned to play the piano by ear, and I learned to push the trombone by music. But let me tell you how I got in a band, Paul. This is funny. That's why I'm looking back on it. I was a small kid. I wanted to be in the band so bad. And our band director, man, he was something. He was strictly out of the army, okay? Paul Allen. Paul Allen. Paul Allen. I think he may have been from Florida, Tennessee, something like that. But he was strictly military. And he was one hard ass. He did not take any bull at Oh, you either could play or get the hell out. This is where he would tell kids, get the hell out of here. You, 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 you're kidding. You, 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 you're in this classroom playing. Get out of my class. Just get the hell out now. 
and he would throw something at you to get your ass out of there. That's how hard and tricky he was. I didn't make it at first, but I wanted to be in there so bad. And he said, boy, you want to be in the band? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'll tell you what you're going to start out doing. You're going to carry that bass drum. I said, carry a bass drum? He said, yes. But what he meant is the guy that played the bass drum, he was short. So the drum, bass drum had straps on it, of course, in the back, holding the drum up. I had to go in the front of the bass drum to hold it up and march like that while the guy behind me beat it. So happens he was my first cousin. But that didn't mean a hell of a beans. He was still laughing at my butt. I was carrying that bass drum. I was holding up in march. But I was in this band. I went everywhere they went, and I, I marched down the street in the band. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell us about meeting Earl Ganey. Earl Ganey. What about him? How did you meet? In school. What was your first impression of him? Fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. We were, uh, wasn't so much as me liking him. Uh, <laughs> we liked each other. Yeah. He liked me, too. He's the oldest. He was the leader of the junior harmonizer. He's the one who picked me to be in there with him and the spiritual group. Yeah. And I was in there with Earl, man. You couldn't tell me nothing. Earl, Earl Gaynor was something else because he played the guitar and he sang. So when he said I was a member, you know, we started playing together around getting chickens for pay and whatever, you know. I thought that was the greatest thing since apple pie. <laughs> Earl was, he was out of sight, man. He could drive a car. I couldn't, you know, and all that good stuff. He was just fantastic. He was like the sons of somebody, you know? Yeah. He was the man. <laughs> yeah. When we were in the at Lee Club together, all that just worked out fine, and we formed a group. He played the guitar, and I played the piano, and uh, William Master played saxophone and sang. Willie Jones just sang, and we got Mac Bass, and he played drums. And my buddy Norman Wade, who lives in Florida now, he lives down by Miami, he sang bass. And he didn't play it on smack. So you had, I was on key piano. William Massey, my friend, was on the saxophone, calling Bunchy. Back then, now he's a Catholic priest in Canada mm -hmm. today. Okay? So I was on piano, and we didn't have a bass player. I was on piano, Earl was on the guitar, Mac Bass was on the drums. And this is how we made Little Darling. Also, no bass, just a guitar, drums, piano, <laughs> and castronets. And a guitar player was about it from the studio, too, I recall. He was a white dude, and he, he played the guitar on the record with, with gladiolas at the time. When I, when I go back, I'm writing a book also. Oh, when you? I go back to those days, I tend to get ahead of myself. If I get too fast and go too fast or something, to stop me and say, well, what about this, what about that, Okay. <laughs> I did want to ask you one thing. You talked about like the the instrumentation on Little Darlin'. What, yeah. What about the writing of that song? What was the inspiration behind the song? Oh, two girls. I was in love with two, so I thought I was a kid. I was uh, about 13 years old, and I thought I was in love with two girls. In my mind, I was. Yeah. When I'm left, I found out about the other girl, and she left me. Oh, okay. Back in school days, because she quit me, dropped me. Yeah. And she went her way, and I was pondering about it one day. And so I came up with Little Darling, where are you? Because she was short, okay? Mm-hmm. She was short and bow-legged, and she was fine. 
Uh, she was fine, babe. I was on the piano one morning, and, and I came up with, with uh, Hello, darling, where are you? Girl, I was wrong to love, too. Please come back to me, little darling. Where are you? I need you. So that's how little darling came about, and that's how I wrote it. What did you uh, think of Elvis Presley's recording of that song? <laughs> I thought it was comical. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I thought it, 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 I thought it was wonderful, man. I thought it, was, it was, as a songwriter, just Elvis doing my stuff? Yeah. I said, well, now I can meet him. To me, because Elvis, to me, was the best thing that ever happened since Pinto Beans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I right. love me some Pinto Beans. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man, man my mother, Paul. When he did the Ed Sullivan show, right? Me and my mother used to watch him on TV. My mother, her name was Mamie, Mamie Williams, and she was a singer also. She sang in the hymn choir that first watched in the Baptist church. She had a beautiful tenor voice. I took everything after her. I had a beautiful tenor voice. Now I got more of a baritone bass. <laughs> No, but I took it after her, and we used to watch Elvis, and she inspired me. She told me one Saturday that the show, the show was on. She came and told me, she says, Maurice, you see that boy? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm watching. She says, now he can sing for a white boy. <laughs> say, That's what you call singing. He can sing for a white boy. <laughs> she said, you understand that? I say, I love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I did, and I still do. I was raised on almost with Elvis and Hank Williams, Sr. That's Domino, all those cats, man. I, I, I just, you know, I love it to the day. I still love country. Rock and roll. That's, that's me. That's, that's where I was raised. Lloyd Price. Oh, man. Come on. My early piano plan, I took it out to Lloyd Price and Fast Domino. Plan the, the, the triplets. Three look. Three fingers, <laughs> you know, that, uh, what was it? Uh, just a few chords, man. I, I'm not a piano player, per se. I use my piano to write songs. But I, I, I can do good. And like, at the moment, just as we speak, I play piano every second Sunday for our men's quiet church. And they think I really can play, but I say, guys, come on, come on. I, I'm not a player. Uh, the, the way I got that gig, it's not a gig because I don't charge nothing. It's a church thing. Right. I dedicate my time and my soul to the church. Uh, God gave me this, so I give it back to him. So I told that's what I told the guys. I say, I said, now I can teach you guys how to sing. I had, I had, I was in the glitch club, and I know how to do this thing. I said, I can sing opera. I know the breathing, the whole ball game. I said, I can do this thing, but singing rock and roll, you don't need that because you sing that, you're gonna sell no record, man. So I told them the way it was. So they would, I was trying to get down on their level so we could get this thing. And we only sing Negro spirituals. Something very simple because these cats can't sing. Just trying to think because the choir is voluntary. You know, it's the effort and that counts in church. It's the effort. If, and if they want to really do it, I say, well, we can do this thing. Just listen to me. I know I'm not bragging on myself. But I can do this thing. I know how to do this. So if you don't want me to do it, we do it together now. I'm not no boss because I ain't getting paid. Right. You ain't getting paid. I ain't getting paid. 
we are in this together. But I can really help and teach you. And the way I got that, our church director, Mrs. Newkirk, she got sick. She was straight out of college. She's a school teacher. And she went strictly by the book. She was trying to get them to sing the stuff that was saying this stuff. They didn't have the voices for it. But she was trying, you know, and I, God bless her. Love her to death. She was trying, and she would, I think in her mind, she was in college of teaching again. But these cats didn't have it. They still don't have it, and they know they don't have it. I told them, feel free to just do do what you want to do. And she tried to teach them parts, and they don't, parts, you don't know what that is. On that note, I was going to ask you, could you pick a favorite gospel or spiritual song? A favorite? Well, I can pick my favorite Christmas song is Little Drama Boy. Oh, yeah? That's a great oh, song. Man. I have it's. I have a gospel album out. It's, it's on my gospel album. No, 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 I'm sorry. It's on the Christmas. It's on the Christmas album. No, the Christmas DVD. It's a Christmas thing. But on my gospel album, I wrote a couple of songs for it. Not bragging, but I got to push myself. It's a song in there called Praise Him that I wrote. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. It goes, Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise the Lord. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Praise the King. And then it goes, You know, I've been working every day. Something like that. But that's, that's, that's one of my favorites that, that, that I wrote. And the rest of the stuff I did covers, but Andre Crouch is my favorite gospel artist and singer. Was the Mighty Clouds of Joy come along and all that. But Andre Crouch is, oh man. The guy that's got the church up in New York City, Danny McCurkin, I love him. I love him. Stand. I, I love that by him. And they, just about anything he does, I, I'm crazy about. <laughs> Such a beautiful singer. And he's a reverend, too, by the way. You know that, though. What about just in general? Could you pick a favorite song of yours that you wrote? That I wrote? Little Darling. Little Darling. Yeah. Definitely. It was my first that made money. It was the first song I ever wrote that was recorded. And not because of these things. The song is a true song. It really happened to me. And now stay really happened to me also. <laughs> it's just the way it turned out, uh, the quality of Little Darling. The meaning of it to me is my favorite song because it's so true. It's, this really happened. These were girlfriends of mine. I thought I was in love. My first love. And, hey, that's that simple. Yeah. I can't call names, man. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a story about Stay. All uh, right. It's such a short song, but it doesn't need to be any longer than it is. I was in okay. a bar in uh, Marietta. There were songs of today being played, and the club was kind of dead. And then mm -hmm. Stay came on. And I saw a bunch of people get up and start dancing, and it was like the entire mood of the room changed. <laughs> that was uh, on, that the, beautiful. on the square in Marietta. So tell us about yeah, the inspiration there. behind the song Stay, Behind Stay. Simple. I was in love again. 
I was in love again. Sound like a song. Yeah, there was <laughs> Fats Domino. Yes, it's me, and I'm in love, I'm in love again. again. <laughs> yep. And I love and send you know when. Hooey, baby. Hooey. Baby, don't you let your dog bang me. <laughs> Same deal. I had a girl. As a matter of fact, it was a little darling. Okay? Mm-hmm. Same girl. She was over to our house. I was a kid, of course. We were doing fine then. I didn't have a, another girl. She had to be home by 10 o'clock. So her little brother was supposed to come by the house and get her. Pick, you know, pick up because she lived across town. And he had to come get her at 10. That was her curfew back then. Because I wanted her to what? Stay a little longer. Yeah. And I told her, I said, you know, your mama don't mind. You know, daddy don't mind. See, Paul, we were all friends. The whole family. It was a family thing. Her family and mine were close, still still today. And if she's hearing this, you know who she is now. Hmm. <laughs> okay. We were real close to the whole family, but she had to go home. So he came anyway, and she left. No matter what I said, she, she left. She had to go with him. So next morning, I got up. First thing I put down was, stay just a little bit longer. Please, please tell me you're going out. Mommy don't mind. Your daddy don't mind. And at the time, I said, if we have another dance, just one more time. It was dancing. One time it was smoke. If we have another smoke, cigarette. Right. Just a one more time, one more time. I want to stay. The high part, just a little bit longer. Please let me hear you say you will. Then I went, will not you place your sweet lips to mine? Da da do 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 do. Tell me you love me all of the time. Stay yay yay a little bit longer. That's how it was born. That's how it happened. And it was, it was longer than than the uh, the minute and thirty seven seconds. It was longer. So I wrote some more lyrics to it. I did that. I looked at it. I looked at the paper. I said, ah. Threw the trash can. Hmm. I did. Threw it in the trash can. That's fascinating. Then, Paul, but thank God, I had it on tape. Okay? Right. When I was writing back then, everything I did, I turn the tape recorder on and just go for anything. It, it runs all morning. And I, whether I'm talking, uh, whatever, it would be caught on tape and just me on the tape. And my mother would always have coffee for me. Cause she told me, so if you're going to be a songwriter, if you're going to write, I'm going to help you. You're going to get up every morning and you're going to the piano and I'm going to bring you coffee. And if you got to smoke the cigarette thing, you can smoke it as long as you smoke it here and this house. You cannot go out at that door and smoke a cigarette. So she said, I'll help you fix your coffee, your breakfast, but you got to get up and the first thing you do is you hit that piano. And I did that every morning in the South Day was born. Little darling, the whole ball game. And okay, get him back to the state. I threw it 
and trash can. It was, it was on tape, okay? It was on tape. And thank God, it was on tape. I would write songs back then, and I would let people, my friends, hear what I wrote and say, does this sound familiar? Does, does this sound like anything that you hear on the radio? I did that for the reason so I wouldn't be writing stuff that was already out there. That's why I would let people hear it and get opinions. I was wide open. So it just so happened. I was at her house. So he was like family. And I was playing a bunch of songs that I had wrote, written everything. Her little sister was there listening. And I guess she was about 12. No, no, she was about, I wasn't too much more at 12. She was about seven, I'm thinking. I played the tape. I played the tape for the whole family to hear and everybody. After I played them, uh, her little sister, I can't think of it. Uh, I'm not going to call her names at the moment. She said, what about that song that had a high part? I say, a high part? She said, yeah, you know, like a soprano. Because she knew she knew she was in the quad too. I said, oh, oh, you, you're talking about stay. She said, yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. <laughs> she said, I like that. I said, okay. And see, so she's talking about, I didn't have that with me that day. She had heard it at another time that I was over there playing songs. And she said, what about that song? I said, oh, stay. She said, yeah. I said, oh. So I knew enough then at my early age, because Ernie Young at Nashville Records that, that did Little Darling in Tennessee, he had told me the kids are the one that buy the records. He said, whatever you do, when you write, aim at children. Mm. He said, write wherein the kids can understand the message, then you, you're in. In the beginning, I always wrote that way. If a kid can sing it and understand it, you're sort of on your way, you know? Yeah. I do that sometimes today, not as much as I used to because I'm too doggone old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. I'm 71, and I'm happy that I made it this far. I really am. She liked it, so what I did, Paul, I went back. Put, uh, I didn't I didn't put a lot of trash can up because uh, the trash was gone. I turned that tape on, found that song, turned that tape on. Listen to it real good. I said, yeah, I still don't like it. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to do something with it. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So I worked with it some more, and I had met a young man up in Charlotte, North Carolina. His name was is Henry Gaston. Call him Shane. I say, now this would be perfect for him. He had such an unusual falsetto. I had never heard a falsetto like that. So i got to find him. I went on a search for him in Charlotte, and I found him. I said, man, you want to sing a song with me? He said, yeah. He said, I like to sing. I said, okay. And I played it for him and taught it to him. He nailed it right off the bat. I said, okay. I said, you want to make a record? And he said, yeah. I said, you in. So he made the record with me, and the rest is sort of history. <laughs> he joined the group. <laughs> and God knows it was such a blessing to get him to come down to Lancaster, South Carolina, city guy from Charlotte, and sing with me. I thought it was the greatest thing for Bento Beans, because he had a fantastic voice. And he hit that party as about cheers of him all over me, man. He just, <laughs> you know, 
Whew, that just blew my mind. Because it was such a dream come true. Because I had dreamed that it, it would be that way. That his, 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 when he sang it, it would have something so completely different that whether it was a hit or not, it was still damn different. You know, as so I, I, I had Little Darling out there already. If he sang this thing, we got something going. I mean, I couldn't predict hits or nothing. Nobody can. But uh, yeah, I said, if he sang that part, man, we got something going. He sang it. And the producers in Columbia, South Carolina, Phil Gernhardt and John McCullough. Okay, well, let me give you a little insight on Phil Gernhardt. Phil produced Lobo. I've heard some well, of the Phil, recordings. Yeah, some of the Okay, well, Phil Gernhardt produced him. He's from Columbia, South Carolina, University of South Carolina. And he, he produced him. That was after Stay. Okay? He went to Nashville and he worked for one of her, her records. That's where he produced Lobo. He's a Lebo. Lobo, Lobo, the wolf. Yeah. Lobo, yeah. So, but he, first he produced, he had a fantastic ear. He couldn't play an instrument, but he had that ear. Okay? So hit songs and attractive songs that maybe would sell. He had that kind of ear. John McCullough still is one fantastic, beautiful pianist. You know, he still is to this day. He's still living. Phil passed away, but John is still living. So Phil and John carried that song to New York City back in the day. They went up there, and they say they knocked on literally every recording door in New York. And they were turned down literally. Until they went to Harold Ember Records. Hmm. Guy named Al Silver. Al, I think Al still lives in Florida. I'm sure he's still living. As far as I know now. Al Silver, Mr. Al Silver. He had Harold Ember Records. He had all these, he had Faye Adams. He had a group called The Turbans. He had the Five Sidons in the Still of the Night. And still, you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fred Paris, I think was his name. He's still around. Yeah, yeah, Fred, Fred yeah. They're still around. So many people. He had the, the Happy Organ, uh, uh, Baby Cortez, who's going way back in the way back in the city. Uh, all these guys was on that label. Before I got on it, that was like a dream to me, because I, I would hear Five Stadens singing in the still of the night, and I would tell my guys, Hey, man, we didn't sing better than that. Those guys are flat. And they were. But the little flatness every now and then, it's cool for a record, I found out. And that means that everybody can sing along with it. Al Silver liked stay. He liked stay. He said, tell them, he sent three of those back to Columbia when we was in the studio. He said, tell Maurice we want to do the song, but we want him to sing it flat and make it shorter. It was too long hmm. for radio play. He said, sing it flat and shorten it up, and we'll, we'll sign him. Well, when Phil got back to the studio and told me that, I said, the guy must be crazy. I don't want to sign with nobody. If I got to sing flat, I'm not going to sing. I said, the hell with it. I, I, I don't want to do that. So you've got to realize now, Paul, you're talking to some young dudes straight out of the glee club, okay? Right. That's been taught to sing correctly, to speak correctly, to breathe correctly.
directly into scene one on key. So when and this when this white dude tell me, "Want you to sing it flat?" I say, "Hell no!" <laughs> <laughs> I say, "This I told the guys." I say, "This guy crazy." I say, "That man up there in New York, he crazy too." So we was ready to leave, and Phil said, "Wait a minute, Maurice. Wait, damn it! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Think about it." I thought about it. I say, "We're going back home. Let's go, guys." Phil said, "Wait a minute, man." Yeah, come on, John. Say, well, yeah, wait, man. Say, can't we just do it for the hell of it? It's one time, <laughs> you know. I said, yeah, for the hell of it, why not? He said, see what you can do with singing it a little flat. See how it turn out. So I said, okay. In order to get a recording contract with Harold Ember Records, I would sing it flat. Hmm. So the flat part I put on there. See, I arranged the whole song. I arranged, uh, that's my arrangement. Uh, when I came with the piano and I went, doom, 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 stay. And I come in, they say, stay. And I say, ah, that's the flat part. Oh. <laughs> you listen to the record. Nah, just a little bit longer. You know, hey, that part is the flat part. The very beginning, and I get it over with quick. Bam! On it, we're going now. We're in key. And I, I said, "How y'all like that?" I said, "That's it. That's what we want." I said, "Oh, you got it, then, baby." We, we everybody was happy. <laughs> everybody was happy then. <laughs> so the reason being, well, that Al Silver wanted it flat. He said he wanted it for in as the average man in the street could sing it. He said, because if you know the average man in the street do not sing in what tune? The man in the shower don't sing in tune. So if you sing it flat, they jump right on it mm. and sing it and hum along and, and let it go through the head and be hum. And if you make it short, you get airplay. Distractors can pop that on and say, we're finna take a break. Stay with us. Bam, little, little bit longer. And they go for a break, bam, and it's short, too. It worked. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. I said, oh, be damn. <laughs> I say, that man, I, but, you know, I, I respected him. Because, I mean, to have all the hits he's had, I respected big time by that. But he tell me to do something flat. No, 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 no. But. Out of my respect for him, I'd say, you got to know what he's doing. Because he had all these big hits. I thought about that, too. And that's why I did it flat. And he made it a hit. I never will forget. Well, he gave Phil Gernhardt, the producer, his checkbook. Say, bring me back a hit record. <laughs> and sent us out to Detroit, Chicago, everywhere for radio. He say bring me back a hit record. Here's the money. <laughs> now, what I didn't know at the time, let me tell you this, because this is news, too. And how could I know? Nobody knew. I found out later. When he gave us that checkbook, yeah. he had already sold 50,000 records. <laughs> Bootleg. Oh, boots. I got you. The money he said uh, for us to use wasn't his money. 
Hell, it was mine anyway. Follow me? Right. And Phil, you know, the producer of everybody. It was our money. But we didn't know that at the time. We was, were young. Phil was young. And we were all from South Carolina. And we <laughs> we just didn't know a lot. You know, I knew quite a bit about publishing that Mr. Young had taught me. Phil Garner didn't know shit. He, he was just smart and had a lot of courage. Right. You know, and he was white. And John just followed Phil. And said, hey, that is what happened. And I said, well, we'll get a number one. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I told Smokey Robinson. I met Smokey out in, uh, was it Detroit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we was on tour promoting the, him and the Miracles. I said, we're going we're gonna to knock that damn shop around. We're going to knock that bad boy down. We're going to pass you, but. <laughs> he thought he'd die laughing. We all laughed because we became friends, you know. Right. <laughs> but Shop Around was right in the way on the charts. A few weeks later, Stay had kicked Shop Around down and had made number one. I say, God bless the milk cow. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't call Smokey on the phone because he was uh, he was on tour somewhere. But man, I say, I told him, I want to say, I told you. <laughs> but he was his and the miracles. That what's what a nice country guys. You know, we we met and we were all were the same. Yeah, she was so beautiful, and uh, you know, I was we were joking about everything. Cause, but still, today the do op guys are all for one, one all. That's the way we operate. Yeah, it ain't no thing like beach music. Beach music, they be fighting each other, trying to get get a gig. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I know both sides. Thank God, I do. Yeah, but uh, the doo-wop and the pop guys like the Diamonds, the Miracles, and Zodiacs, and Gene Chandler, and just all the guys. Uh, that, that, I can't think everybody's they read that. But everybody singing the oldies. We were all friends, and still we're still friends now. Yeah, because we still do the doo-wop shows, and it's just the same camaraderie. We we love each other. You know, if you're sick, we're gonna try to get you better so we can make this a good what show. That's what we do things. Right. I know better than you. <laughs> I want you to be able to sing your song, and if I can help you, hell, I'll sing in the background. That's the way we did. We were raised that way. We just help each other, man. And the, the whole thing was for the man that put the show on, and we still do it that way. Thank God that we do up, guys, man. We <laughs> we stick together. Yeah. You know, we love each other. Genuine love. <laughs> it ain't no bullshit. It's love, and we try to help each other. Like brothers. And that's the way straight happened. And went to number one, and thank God. And I still love everybody. And guys loves the guys to death. Shane is living. You got it. Henry Gaston is saying the high part. Right. Yeah, he's, he's still living. We talked the other day. Because he's not singing anymore. But the rest of the Zodiacs pass. Except the drummer. Henry is living. Can call him King Hen. He's the drummer. He's living, Shane is living, everybody else passed away, unfortunately. There's two of us. A Johnny Marvel is living. A Johnny, he wasn't original, but he was in there with, he was in there with Mayai. So he's living, Shane's living, I'm living, King Hen living. So that's four of us. That's what I'm talking about Zodiac now, not Gladiolus. Most of the Gladiolus are not, not much. See, Max is living, Earl, Organ is living. Normal Wade, he's living. I think that's about it. Robert Robertson passed away. 
really guys may look darling. Aragani, Mike Baskin, Willie Jones, yours truly, Norman Wade. We don't want, we went to Nashville. We may look darling. And everybody living except for Willie Jones, Willie Jones, he passed. Max living. I think I'm living. Mac Arthur Baskin, the drummer, he's living. Aragain, the guitar player, he's living. Norman Wade is living in Florida. He's down in uh, Miami, Miramar. There have been so many people that have recorded your songs, as we talked about Elvis Presley earlier. Oh, man. Jackson. Yeah, Jackson Brown, The Four Seasons. Could you pick a favorite version of one of your songs that someone else did? Four Seasons. Oh, yeah, you like that one the best? What about an act that you've worked, you know, you talked about a lot of acts there, the Platters, all those different, the doo-wop groups, and and individual singers like Smokey Robinson. Who has been your favorite to share a bill with? Other than Smokey Robinson? Would it be Smokey? Yeah. Well, Smokey is the man. <laughs> I'm talking about just genuine people. Not that big-headed bullshit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He's the real people. Okay, he's, he's spiritual-hearted. I would have to say Smokey. The Imperials, also, they're in that list. Anthony, is, he's turned Christian now, so we played so many times together, it's unbelievable. We them, too. Oh, Gene Shelley, you know. That's a, he's like brother. <laughs> Skylanus, Skylanus, they're real people. Enjoy, oh, we have a good time together. Skylanus... Those guys are made Miss Grace. Ooh, Miss Grace. Satin and perfume and lace. The minute I saw your face, you know that I love you. Miss Grace wasn't a big hit. It was a big hit down here in the South. Their big hit was the other side of that. Not somewhere beyond the sea. Not that. As we stroll along oh, yeah. together. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So in love are we two? Do you just know what to do? So in love, in love are we? Johnny Master did a cover version. Yeah. Oh, I. So in love. Ah, it's okay. Anyways, (laughs) I think the audience know who we're talking about. Like brothers, mine is going bad. (laughs) As we stroll along together, there we go. Art Garfunkel did a great cover of that, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is the best thing about being Maurice Williams? Maurice Williams is the best thing about being Maurice Williams. I'm just me. Yeah. I don't like to be made over. I don't like to be treated different. I like to be one of the guys. Just normal people. You meet so many funny people, man. And I, I like just, just being me. I, when I'm like that, I am so happy. I, I don't like being phony, because I've never been phony. You know, I'll tell you a little story right quick. My mother raised me. She would always read verses from the Bible to me when I was growing up, before I went to school. She always did that. This is when school is going on. I did songwriting when I went in summertime, when I didn't have to go to school. And I didn't know there was a difference between black and white. I thought everybody was the same. I didn't know that all until I went to school and got in 
right in the high school. I didn't know it in elementary school. Even though everybody in school was black, I didn't know there was a difference. I was taught everybody is the same. That's where I was raised. Hmm. And I'm part Cherokee Indian, which don't mean a hill of beans. I was raised to respect and to love people and to treat people like you want to be treated. And, and I was raised that way. I was born into segregation, so I had no problems with that. I didn't know no better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't have any problems coming up. About the race thing, we were out down the road. When we saw, when, when I did see some silly stuff, we just went the other way. Cause we knew there was hate once we got on the road, you know, got out there. But in the beginning, I did not know. I didn't know, and I'm glad I didn't. I didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't missing that thing. I was raised this way, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I just, I love it, you know, I, I, I love people. I really love people, man. I'm, I'm just a people person, and, Simple-minded, and I love cornbread and black-eyed peas, pinto beans, chicken. <laughs> I'm just southern guy. People say, well, you sound like a northerner. I say, well, I'm not. <laughs> I was born in the south, and I love the south. I love it here. Because I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. And I wouldn't live nowhere but the south, man. I, it's just nice. It's, just, it's different. It's, it's completely openness. Simple and all that, and I, I I just love being me, man. I just I love to walk in a place where nobody know me. I love to just go eat and nobody say sign an autograph. You saw you you no, please come on. I don't go in skies or nothing like that. That's when they start stop recognizing you. You it's over with. But I'm blessed to have people say, uh, "You are the Maurice Williams." I guess. I know I was eating was eating the other day in a, in a Golden Corral. And this lady, this waitress, she walked up to me. She says, "You, you, 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 somebody that uh, say you you sing." I say, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "You uh, can you make a record?" I say, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> she say, "Stay." I say, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "No way." No way, no way. She said, show me a driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> I showed it to her. She said, no. No, you can't be. I said, why? I said, I pay taxes. And they said, that's where I am. <laughs> I said, you ought to pay my taxes. You to... I said, if you saw my taxes, you would you would say what? Damn right, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> So stuff like that, but I enjoy talking like that, talking to people. And a lot of Max when I say, "No, I've got a brother." That's, that's just fine. <laughs> My brother, as they say, I look like the guy, but I'm not him. I'm sorry, I may say that anytime. And uh, get ready to walk away or something. And I say, "Oh shit, you got me." <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. I, I just like to be normal. Man. I like to be like everybody else. So I feel better that way. I get more accomplished. I'll let you respect, man. I'm just me. I'm just me. My last question. I like that. <laughs> Yo. For everyone that's listening, the last question is open-ended. What do you want to say to all the people tuning in? Thanks. Thanks for a long and wonderful, beautiful ride. 1956 to 2012. I never thought I would live to see a black. 
president. Ah, what a ride. God <laughs> is so good. Believe. He works wonders. And I am living proof, and I'm not a preacher. <laughs> but I preach on the stage, but I, I sing to make people happy. And I'm blessed. But I wouldn't be nothing without you good people out there. The Lord knows that. And I still love you. Love you back then, love you now. Even more, because I understand a whole lot better now. Thanks to y'all. Love you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much, Mr. Williams. It's been a great pleasure. Okay, partner. All right. Have a good night. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, baby. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.